0: Welcome to New Reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein. Skin care and plastic surgery are hot topics these days. Let Dr. Rubenstein answer your questions and explain what you'll want to look for in aesthetic products and cosmetic procedures. Get ready for a discussion about all things aesthetic. Now, live from Miami, Florida, American Board Certified Plastic Surgeon, Dr. Adam Rubenstein.
1: Welcome to New Reflections. We've got a great new show for you today. We are talking about combination procedures. The show is called Two is Better Than One, and we're talking about doing more than one procedure at a time this is something that's increasingly popular the idea of the operating room coming out everything you need is pretty attractive sounds great but there are some drawbacks and there's some things that it can be done safely and other things that you know maybe you shouldn't do them together and we're going to talk about that patients i'll tell you they come to my office all the time i see lots of patients that come in and say well You know, I really like to do my breast augmentation. That's really what I'm thinking about. But if I'm there already, why not do a little bit of lipo? I'm thinking maybe take some fat out of my tummy. What do you think, doc? And again, there are some combinations that work really well. There are lots of different types of combinations. We're going to talk about the various types of combinations that are possible. Uh, Just to name a few, it's pretty common to do procedures together in the same area of the body. So if we're talking about doing things in the face together, well that makes sense. Doing a facelift with a blepharoplasty or eyelid lift, you know, that makes sense. Doing things uh in the body together, you know, if you're doing a, a what we call a mommy makeover. We've done a whole show about mommy makeovers in the past where you're doing some kind of tummy contouring, maybe a, a tummy tuck and maybe a breast augmentation or a breast lift and augmentation. That makes sense. It's all related in a similar area. But There are other types of combinations that that can also make sense. It's not uncommon to do facial stuff with the body. Maybe we're doing uh, a nose and at the same time a breast augmentation. That's not that uncommon. And then there are combinations that are a little bit different than just completely aesthetic procedures, thinking about medically necessary procedures combined with aesthetic procedures. Sometimes people will have hernia repairs and they'll have something done with their tummy at the same time. Uh, And there's lots of other combinations. We're going to talk all about it on the show. And this week, we've got three great guests, really interesting things to talk about. We've got Dr. Michael Venemeyer. Dr. Venemeyer is a board-certified plastic surgeon practicing in Cincinnati, Ohio. We're also going to be joined by Dr. Jacob Steiger. Dr. Steiger is a board-certified facial plastic surgeon who practices here in Boca, uh, Boca Raton, Florida. And Dr. Emery Salam. Dr. Salam is a board-certified gynecologist. And recently presented a poster at a large meeting talking about doing tummy tucks at the same time as hysterectomy. Not uncommon condition, and he'll talk about that. Well, let's get the show started, and we'll talk about different types of combinations. Uh, I want to introduce my first guest, Dr. Michael Venemeyer. Dr. Venemeyer is a board-certified plastic surgeon practicing in Cincinnati, Ohio, and I'm sure no stranger to doing more than one procedure at the same time.
2: Venemeyer, welcome to New Reflections. Good morning. Thank you for having me, Dr. Rubenstein.
1: Well, it's a pleasure to have you on, and uh, I would love to start coming off by talking about the common types of combinations that you do, that you've seen.
2: I would say that the most common combination procedures that I see in my own practice are the facial procedures. It's very common for someone to have a uh, face and neck lift and also need um, an eyelid lift, also known as a blepharoplasty, and uh, those are very easy procedures to uh, combine together.
1: All right. As I was saying in the beginning of the show, those face-with-face combos make sense. And so, you know, when we're doing what I – I'll call it just facial rejuvenation as one big procedure. And so, you know, you're talking about facelifts, including the neck, and uh, eyes are very common. Sometimes a brow – I'll be doing that this week coming up. Uh, brow lifts go very well with facelifts and neck lifts. Absolutely. Uh, And so, if we're not talking about just face and face which is kind of a no-brainer, what other combinations are you familiar with?
2: The mommy makeover procedures, as you mentioned, are very popular these days. Um, After someone has a baby, they have a lot of deflation in the breast tissue oftentimes, and the skin gets stretched out, and they lose perkiness. Uh, Additionally, they have their tummy skin stretched out significantly and may have a lot of stretch marks, and also their... Uh, Six pack muscles get separated, and they have some bulging. Um, and after pregnancy, after you're finished with childbearing, it's a perfect time to address those issues. And uh, they are great procedures to do together.
1: Yeah, I, I agree, and we see it, we see a good amount of them now. Since we're talking about uh, face with face and body with body, let's, let's step back and and say, you know, what everyone understands the benefits of doing things together, right? One trip to the operating room is only one round with anesthesia and probably saves you a couple of bucks.
2: Absolutely. There's uh, certainly a first, there's sort of a premium on the first hour of anesthesia and then additional hours cost a little bit less. So by combining procedures, you only pay that first hour premium one time.
1: Right, exactly. And the same is true for the operating room fees in most cases. Yes. So you know you're saving on both the OR and the anesthesia fees. So you know financially it makes sense. But what, when are there any times that when you're seeing a patient that you think you're talking about face and eyes or face and neck with eyes or whatever the combination might be or in body combinations, when do you start thinking that maybe it's not a good idea to put these things together?
2: Well, there are two basic concepts that I think of when I'm deciding whether or not I should do a combination procedure. And I think the, f- the first thing is, is it safe for the patient or not? So um, if someone is a, a safe candidate for doing combination procedures, then it's something that's possible. If not, then we should consider staging. Um, the other big-picture concept is, will the result be as good if I do these procedures combined, or should I stage them in order to get a more reliable or a better result? So that is the other issue that I consider.
1: Right, and that's a good point. So it's, the second one can be a little bit controversial. So we're, we're talking about doing things together, and there's a subject in plastic surgery that is a bit controversial, and I'm talking about doing breast lifts and augmentations. There are lots of our colleagues that uh, will tell you that the, the best way to get a good result is doing them together, and then there are plenty of our colleagues that will take the opposite stance and, and say, well, you know, you're you're really doing a disservice. You're better off doing one thing first and then another. And then uh, between them, there's controversy as to whether you do the lift first or the augmentation first. And what are your thoughts on that combination procedure?
2: Well, I, I think when uh, there are that many differing opinions and that much controversy, it's pretty clear that we haven't figured out what the right answer is uh, yet. So, Uh, I think it sort of depends on the individual surgeon and uh, what they uh, feel works well. Uh, In my own practice, I very frequently combine breast augmentation with mastopexy because I feel that I can get a pretty reliable result for the patient safely in one stage and save them that second operation. Um, Oh,
1: sure. And, you know, we never... I I, I never take the stance that there's any one right way to do things. Sure. But in my opinion, I I agree with you in terms of doing them together. In fact, I'll go even a, a step further. I really think... You're giving the patient the best chance for the best result when you do those things together. And we're talking about combinations. This is a combination that, in my opinion, really needs to be done together because one relates to the other. The amount of lift you need to do depends upon how much volume you've got and how that volume is distributing. And the amount of volume you need depends upon how tight a lift you're going to do. So there's so much relationship between the two procedures, I think you you really are probably not getting as good a result when you separate them as you can by putting them together. Now, having said that, you have to be comfortable with the techniques and comfortable with that process to get a good result. And that's not to say that you can't get a good result separating them, but I'll tell you, in in my practice, I really feel like I'm, I'm behind the eight ball when I have someone that's already had an augmentation or already had a lift. By someone else and, you know, comes and says, well, now I want the second half of it done because uh, I just don't feel like I've had control of the whole process and I'm handcuffed by trying to give them the very best result for their proportions. But, uh, oh, what do you think of that?
2: I think you make a fantastic point. You're so right. When you put in the implant, you add a certain amount of volume to the breast and when you do the lift, you're literally tailoring the remaining amount of, the remaining skin to the implant volume and the breast volume that's there. So you can really leave as close to the perfect amount of skin as possible when you do them together like that.
1: Well, there's another combination that is controversial, especially down here in South Florida. And I don't know if it's as controversial in Cincinnati, but the idea of combining tummy tucks and liposuction, which is a standard combination. I mean, we do it all the time, but it's a little controversial down here because you know, years ago there was some question as to whether you were greatly increasing the risk and they were having more complications. And the state of Florida put a limit. Uh, this is uh, stuff that's done in an office operating room. There's a limit of the amount of liposuction that you can do down here in, in, uh, in South Florida, actually in the state of Florida. You can only do one liter of liposuction at the same time as a tummy tuck in an office operating room. You know, more than half of the aesthetic procedures that are done are done in office operating rooms. So it really impacts the uh, you know, control of what you can do when you're doing lipo with a tummy tuck here in Florida. Now, is Do you have the same controversy in Cincinnati?
2: There uh, is definitely controversy over the subject. However, we don't have uh, the same strict limits that you do in the state of Florida.
1: Mm-hmm. Well... What do you think about putting any limits? Do you think there's any real concern?
2: I think there's, there's definitely concern when it comes to patient safety. We always need to uh, consider how we're doing things and, and make sure that uh, we're watching the data over time and, and making sure that we're doing the safest thing possible. I think that with combination procedures that um, there there's a lot of judgment involved from the surgeon's standpoint. Um, in determining is this patient really safe for doing two procedures at once, especially liposuction and a tummy tuck, and what volume is appropriate. And I don't know that I agree with the state necessarily putting a limit on that, but um, I think the surgeon definitely needs to consider uh, what is safe for the individual patient. Um, you know, board-certified plastic surgeons are trained to do things uh, safely and are proven to have good judgment, and I think that um, you can trust that.
1: Yeah, that's a great point to make, and, and I, I'm not sure that I agree with the state, but it's a double-edged sword. You know, here in Florida, especially in South Florida, there are a lot of people that are not properly trained plastic surgeons that are doing this stuff, and okay. unfortunately, a lot of these rules are made because you have to account for people across the board. And I agree. I think a board-certified plastic surgeon. We talk about this on the show all the time. Everyone knows New Reflections is all about making sure you're doing your homework and going to the right type of doctor, making sure you're making yourself, uh, you're putting yourself in the safest environment, in the safest position to have great results. And that starts with the doctor that you're seeing. So make sure you're always seeing board certified plastic surgeons and keeping yourself safe in that way. And as I was saying, unfortunately, there's lots of people out there that may not be as well trained as others and can easily be doing things that are not going to turn out in the best way possible and maybe be putting patients in harm's way. And these rules are designed that they have to be accountable across the board. You can't just throw something out there uh, and say, well, you know, this is good for Dr. Johnson, but Dr. Smith, you're okay because, you know, you've got this type of training. So I think that's where this is born out of, but The fact is, when I have patients that I see that I need to take a little bit more than one liter, and it's not uncommon, you know, one liter, as you know, Dr. Venemar, it's not a lot of fat to take out. And when we're doing liposuction and tummy tucks, it's pretty common to take out more than one liter in combination with the tummy tuck. So when I see that, I personally just take the patient to a hospital, and that way, we know that we're safe, because the rule in the state of Florida is not only applies, actually, to office operating rooms and when we're doing surgery in the hospital then you you have a more more leeway you can do whatever it is you need to do so that's what i do but it is a controversial subject and i think uh you know judgment is the key so you know always make sure that you're seeing properly trained board certified plastic surgeon and you'll be starting off in the right hands we're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to continue our discussion about combination procedures because we've just barely scratched the surface. We're going to get into uh, working on face and body at the same time. We're going to talk about uh, having medically necessary procedures and then combining it with aesthetic procedures. This is a big topic and we're going to get all the way through it. We'll be right back after these short messages here on New Reflections.
0: Your life, your health, your network. This Voice America Happen west. Well.
3: Cosmic surgery is a big deal. Make sure you do your homework. Why? This is not my car I'm working on. I may settle for an okay job on that, but I won't settle for anything less when it comes to my body. Do your homework. My doctor trains world-renowned plastic surgeons. My doctor is a fully board-certified plastic surgeon. My doctor is an MD and on staff at several Florida hospitals. My doctor is an associate professor of surgery at a major university. My doctor is Adam Rubenstein.
4: People pick a doctor based on trust. You can trust Dr. Rubenstein. He has the experience, knowledge, and artistic touch you're looking for. Call 305 792 7575. That's 305 792 7575. Call today for a free consultation. Dr. Adam Rubenstein, Turnberry Plastic Surgery at Biscayne Boulevard in the William Lehman Causeway, where medicine meets artistry.
3: My doctor is Adam Rubenstein. Your life, your health, your network.
0: You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. listening to new reflections with dr adam rubinstein if you have a question or comment for the host or this week's guests please call 1-866-472-5792 again that's 1-866-472-5792 you can also send an email to info at dr.dabenstein.com that's info at dr.dabenstein.com now back to new reflections
1: Welcome back to the show. I'm Dr. Adam Rubenstein, board-certified plastic surgeon. And I'm your host. We're talking with Dr. Michael Venemeyer, who's another board-certified plastic surgeon, and we're talking about combination procedures. I want to remind you, you can always call the show if you have any questions, 866-472-5792. You can also reach out to me and find me on Facebook. It's uh, Miami Plastic Surgeon in Facebook, and on Twitter, at Dr. Rubenstein. That's one word, Dr. R-U-B-I-N-S-T-E-I-N in Twitter. So you can follow us there and find me on Facebook. We'd love to hear from you. So continuing our discussion, let's talk about doing things with medically necessary procedures. When we're talking about, uh, usually this is body procedures. So Dr. Venemeyer, what combinations are you familiar with and you've done in the past when working with other surgeons and when they're doing or, or even you might be doing medically necessary procedures in combination with cosmetic stuff?
2: Well, the most common procedure uh, that I would combine with a medically necessary procedure would be a tummy tuck. Uh, very frequently, I will have patients that will come to my office for a tummy tuck evaluation, and I will find on my exam that they have a hernia. So I will refer that patient to a general surgeon, and uh, it's very common for us to do that case at the same time. It works very well to do them together where the uh, general surgeon will do the hernia repair, and I will do the tummy tuck at the same time.
1: Yeah, that's all that is very common and, and it happens. I've I've had it happen in both ways where they come to the office and typically the type of hernia we find that patients don't know they already have is an umbilical hernia where your belly button's got a little bulge in it and you you might not think much about it. You say, "Oh, you know, I had a couple kids and this never went down and I guess that's normal. A couple of my friends have it, but I'm ready for a tummy tuck." And of course, you know, we can easily fix things like the umbilical hernia, or if you've had previous abdominal surgery and you have other bulges in the tummy, well, they can all be fixed at the same time. That's a really great combination because we're operating exactly in the same area. And so, you know, whether you're working with a general surgeon who's going to fix the uh, the hernias, or in some cases, you know, I do umbilicoplasties myself when I find them. Uh, if we're you know, again, this may have to do with insurance coverage as well. So, Doctor Venemeyer, how do you handle someone that comes in, maybe had um, a gallbladder removed at some point, and has a hernia around one of the incisions for that operation when when you see them for tummy tuck? And tell us, with insurance wise and and other fees, how does that work in your practice?
2: Sure. In my practice, we do not accept any insurance. I have an all cosmetic practice. And so that's why I generally refer people to um, a a general surgeon for the repair of the hernia, which is generally covered by insurance. And uh, so if I would do the procedure, they wouldn't get any insurance coverage there. And so even if I could do the hernia repair myself, it just makes sense um, that uh, they get coverage from their insurance company for that.
1: And how does that affect anesthesia and facility fees for their tummy tuck?
2: That's a great question. Actually, in my experience, the insurance company will pay for the portion of anesthesia and facility fees that are necessary for the hernia repair. However, the patient will pay for the anesthesia and facility fees uh, during the cosmetic portion of the procedure. So uh, the nurse in the operating room will keep track of the time and note when I start and finish and note when the general surgeon starts and finishes and the money will be split appropriately.
1: Yeah, and the thing is, the nice thing for patients having a combination procedure, and the reason that they save some money, is that there's overlap. You can only start a procedure once. You can only end the procedure once. And so all the stuff that happens in between is, is split time, and there's a lot of overlap. You know, if you're talking about fixing a, a hernia in the tummy, well, you have to expose that hernia. So the time that takes from the, the point that you make your first incision, to the point where the hernia is getting repaired, well, a good portion of that time is shared time because you've got to get that exposed to be able to fix it. And then, of course, closing everything is also shared time. So it does decrease the amount of anesthesia time and the amount of operating room time the patient will be responsible for. So, you know, in my experience with my patients, they do save a pretty good amount of money. It might be, you know, one or $2,000 off of what they'd otherwise be paying.
2: That's a great point.
1: So, yeah, you know, there is that benefit. Now, what about if someone is having something done uh, away from where you're going to be operating? Let's say uh, someone has uh, a podiatry problem. You know, they've got some sort of uh, broken foot, or they've got uh, some problem with their their foot or their knee or something down on the, on the lower extremity, their leg, that they're going to be having worked on, and they want to have uh, breast augmentation and you're going to plan to do it at the same time. Well, how do you think that might work?
2: Well, um, it sort of depends on the procedures that you would want to combine. I would say that I would be um, not very comfortable combining breast augmentation with a lot of other procedures, especially something like a foot procedure that may be less uh, clean of an area of the body. When you're going to be placing a permanent implant, you certainly have to be much more careful about... Uh, Keeping everything as sterile as possible to avoid contamination of that implant. So, um, could you hypothetically combine procedures like that? I suppose so, but I would want to make sure that they're that uh, the instruments are very separate and the sterile fields are separate and things like that to take some extra precautions.
1: Absolutely. Well, there's no question, and the breast augmentation is a little bit of a tricky one because you're talking about uh, a procedure where you're using. Uh, a prosthetic implant, something that's artificial, you're going to be putting into the body. It's going to stay there, hopefully, for a really long time. And you don't want to put yourself at a disadvantage when it comes to infection. So you make a great point. You do want to watch the type of things you're combining with. But have you ever done a rhinoplasty, a nose procedure, and the breast augmentation in the same setting?
2: Absolutely, I have. And Generally, the way I approach that is I would do the breast augmentation portion of the procedure first, uh, being the most sterile portion. And uh, then after everything is closed, the incisions are closed, and the uh, the implants are, are safe, then I would proceed with the rhinoplasty after that.
1: Well, I think that is a very good way to proceed, and I've done it many times before, and, and that's how we like to do it, because as soon as you start messing with the nose, you're going to put some bacteria into the bloodstream. that just naturally lives around the nose. It's nothing bad, and certainly... You know, infections in nose surgery are extremely rare. But uh, so you know, you, you just you do things in a in a sense a, a common sense manner, and you take care of the breast first. It's a great combination. And the other thing we were talking about, say we get back to that foot and breast augmentation thing, is if you're going to do that together, you're still doing it simultaneously, so you do get the advantage of shared operating room time. Because you're not having to wait for them to do their thing on the foot while you're doing something on the breast. So if you're going to do these things concurrently, I think it also saves some time in the operating room.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's a very good point. And um, we live in a world of limited resources. So if there are reasonable ways to save money for our patients, I think that's a great great to do so as long as we can do them safely.
1: Absolutely. Well, safety is always the number one concern. Now, if we get away from medically necessary procedures and think about only cosmetic procedures, there is a combination, uh, and, and Dr. Steiger must be delayed. We're hoping to have him call in, but uh, let's talk about some facial procedures in combination with, uh, with body procedures. Okay. When you're doing it in your practice, you don't work with a facial plastic surgeon. So, if you're having to do, say, uh, a little bit of tummy lipo and a rhinoplasty,
2: yes,
1: you're going to have to do that one one first and the other second. Correct. So, and that's typically the case, because most plastic surgeons don't work regularly with facial plastic surgeons, just by the nature of having separate practices. It's not the sort of thing that we separate, but there are some circumstances where doctors of different types do work together. In fact, for a few years in my practice, I was working with a pair of facial plastic surgeons, and we had the opportunity to do cases together frequently. And talk about saving time in the operating room. Well, not only does it save money, which which it does, because you're taking less time and you're paying for that time, but there is the advantage of... Being able to uh, being able to operate uh, at the same time and just save the, uh, the you know make the, the time in the operating room more safe because as we know it's the total amount of time you spend under anesthesia that can ultimately increase your risk. So if there is uh, an extended operative time, and obviously we're not talking about procedures that take a long time, but as you stack the procedures up, it can get longer. If I were talking about a facelift and eyes and then a little bit of lipo. Well, and if you make it a little bit of lipo, not a little bit of lipo, make it more of lipo, then we're getting into longer and longer procedures. And there might even be some combinations that you wouldn't be able to do because the amount of time it takes just isn't safe. So when you can combine it, you do make these procedures safer for patients. And there are circumstances where someone might be doing a rhinoplasty, you know, the nose procedure and a plastic surgeon could be doing a breast augmentation or liposuction or a tummy tuck at the same time. And that is a terrific opportunity to have some economy of time and save time and money for the patient in a very safe manner.
2: I completely agree. I think that a great approach to take uh, when someone's having a number of combination procedures. If you have uh, a two-surgeon team working, you can certainly reduce the amount of time in the operating room. And, and as you said correctly, there, uh, you know, the risk uh, of this surgery is proportional to the amount of time that you're under anesthesia. Um, that's one of the big factors. So by reducing time, you're reducing risk.
1: Absolutely. And, and you know, it's nice when you have... A multidisciplinary team, and you can get things together uh, and, and work well together. And that, that's not that common a uh, situation, but when it comes together, it really is nice. So if you're listening and you're thinking, "Oh, gee, that sounds good," you know there certainly are opportunities for those type of combinations if you're thinking about having face and body things together. Uh, that you might speak to the surgeons about working in teams, whether it's two plastic surgeons or the combination of a facial plastic surgeon and a a plastic surgeon. Either way, I think you're you're looking at a a good opportunity to save some time. Now, let's talk about combination procedures that maybe aren't such good ideas. When do you draw the line? What are typical things patients might ask for that when you're talking with them, you say, you know, this might not be such a great idea?
2: Well, when a patient has uh, any medical problems at all that could potentially increase risk and they're wanting to do a number of procedures together, then I start considering breaking the procedures into uh, multiple operations. If someone has um, multiple medical problems, then I'm thinking more about reducing their time under anesthesia. Um, They may even have problems that could uh, affect their uh, wound healing ability and reduce it so I don't want to create as much of a wound healing challenge for their body. Um, diabetes would be an example of that. So those are some of the things I, I, I think about when I'm uh, determining whether or not I want to do a combination procedure on a patient.
1: Well, and they're the typical things you think about when you're going to do any kind of procedure on a patient. But let's talk about the kind of combinations that give you pause.
2: Sure. Um, well, I'd say that uh, doing large... A larger volume of liposuction with a tummy tuck, I would definitely have more pause. Um, I try to limit the amount of liposuction that I do when I'm doing a tummy tuck.
1: Okay, so what's large volume? You know, the, the textbook will tell you that it's four liters.
2: Yes, yeah, and you'll see a range from four to five liters that would um, be considered uh, larger volume liposuction and uh, if I'm combining something with a tummy tuck I generally try to stay under three liters or so depending on the patient but uh, that's that's not a hard and fast number and it's somewhat controversial
1: oh, and, uh, and I think that's fair I, I, in my practice it is kind of a judgment thing and when you, you look at the total picture if you have a young healthy patient with no medical problems at all then maybe you you. Are more liberal with how much you're willing to take out and someone who's heavier and maybe has uh, high blood pressure or some other things that you have to concern, you have to be concerned with, maybe you're more conservative in what you're going to take out, but I think that's a, a reasonable rule of thumb, in my opinion. I think three liters is reasonable. What other combinations might give you a little bit of pause? Um,
2: that, that is actually kind of the, the main one that comes to mind for me.
1: Okay. Well, sometimes we'll see folks that, uh, you know, there's the mommy makeover, and, and then later in life we'll sometimes see uh, just someone wanting like a total rejuvenation where they'll come in. This is a patient who maybe is in their 60s and wants a facelift, maybe a rhinoplasty, the eyes are going to get done, and then maybe a breast lift and augmentation.
2: Right. So you're talking about an extreme number of procedures involving multiple areas of the body, and
1: maybe not even an extreme. Treatment. You just said maybe you just said facelift and uh, a breast lift and augmentation, and the patient's you know 65 and has a little bit of high blood pressure, uh, and is otherwise healthy.
2: Sure, and uh, it just sort of comes down to how long it's going to take you, you know, in the operating room. Um, I think that most most of the time I try and limit my procedure length to the five- or six-hour range uh, in general, and especially for an outpatient uh, procedure. Anything uh, over that, I consider having the patient admitted overnight. Um, but certainly, as they have more and more medical problems, you want to consider limiting the number of procedures in total.
1: Well, absolutely. And the thing is, when you're when you're thinking about it, what is going to make you choose something that's uh, you know? How do you decide in terms of time in the operating room? Do you have a limit that you'd like to try and keep it under, or is it just the overall sense for how much you're doing?
2: I think it's more an overall sense for how much I'm I'm doing. Um, for example, you know, the, the absolute number of procedures doesn't really tell you how invasive the procedure is because you could do, you know, Botox and filler and an eyelid lift and a breast augmentation and that's, you know, four or five procedures that aren't that invasive when they're combined together. But if you combine five liters of liposuction with a tummy tuck and a thigh lift, you know, that's only three procedures, but it's a lot more invasive. So it really just depends on my, uh, my sense of how invasive uh, the combination of procedures is for that particular patient um, in light of any medical problems they may have.
1: Well, absolutely. I mean the thing is for me, and I've looked at the literature, the literature will tell you that at about six hours, your risk level begins to rise. You know any operation takes longer than six hours, complication rates start going up. Now, you know, that's a relative thing, and I routinely will operate six, seven, eight hours. I, I'm not, I don't, that's not a hard and fast line that I draw. But generally speaking, I personally like to keep all planned procedures under eight hours, uh, no matter how much you're doing, and, or, or how little you're doing. Sometimes operations can take a lot longer, and it could be just one procedure. You know, uh, mastopexy augmentation we were talking about earlier in the show, Really is, uh, it can be a tremendously long, uh, procedure depending upon the kind of patient. For example, bariatric patients. Patients with lots of weight loss that were much heavier, maybe lost 100, 200 pounds. Their skin isn't the same. When you're doing a breast lift and augmentation on a patient like that, it's much more complicated and it, it takes longer to really sculpt and make just right. And you know that could be an operation alone that could take five or six hours or, or longer, depending upon how bad the situation is to begin with and what you're trying to do. So that's just one, well, arguably two procedures that you've put together. Really, uh, we can I consider it one procedure, just a complicated one. But it can take a real long time. And I'm not a fan of combining too much with one of those procedures unless it's a really straightforward one, and, and those are few and far between. So for me, I always take a look at the time that I think it's going to take me and then, of course, as we were talking about before, I don't like to jump around the body too much. If we're talking about one procedure on the face and one procedure on the body or so, I think that's reasonable. You start stacking up stuff in the face and then stacking up stuff in the body. Well, now we're getting around that. You're doing a, a little bit too much in a couple different areas. It's going to take too much time. And I'll advise my patients that. And, you know, it's really, uh, even the ones that I think I can do safely, you know, I have to, I give them that information. I say, listen, you know, Six hours is the kind of the witching hour in the operating room in terms of the complication rates. And though I personally haven't seen or noticed a significant rise in complication, that's what the data shows. So, you know, you're accepting a certain amount of increased risk by putting more, more procedures together. And there are certain procedures that when you combine, you're going to get increased risk that we know about. And we're going to talk about that in just a little bit, namely, the gynecologic procedures, you know, doing hysterectomies and uh, uh, oophorectomies, the, the taking ovaries out. These gynecologic procedures combined with tummy tuck, very common combination, can be done very safely, but it, it does carry increased risk. We'll get into that and a lot more when we come back from this next commercial break here on New Reflections. <laughs>
0: your health your network you're listening to voice america health and wellness
3: cosmetic surgery is a big deal if you need a coronary bypass procedure you probably want someone you trust and not the biggest bargain in town you might get more than you bargained for this is your face and body we're talking about do your homework my doctor trained with world-renowned plastic surgeons my doctor is a fully board certified plastic surgeon My doctor is an MD and on staff at several Florida hospitals. My doctor is an associate professor of surgery at a major university. My doctor is Adam Rubenstein.
0: People pick a doctor based
1: on trust, and you can trust Dr. Rubenstein. He has the experience, knowledge, and artistic touch you're looking for. Call 305-792-7575. Call today for a free consultation in a multilingual office. That's 305-792-7575. Turnberry Plastic Surgery at Biscayne Boulevard and the William Lehman Causeway, where medicine meets artistry.
3: My doctor is Adam Rubenstein. Cosmetic surgery is a big deal. Make sure you do your homework. Why? This is not my car I'm working on. I may settle for an okay job on that, but I won't settle for anything less when it comes to my body. Do your homework. My doctor trained with world-renowned plastic surgeons. My doctor is a fully board-certified plastic surgeon. My doctor is an MD and on staff at several Florida hospitals. My doctor is an associate professor of surgery at a major university. My doctor is Adam Rubenstein.
4: People pick a doctor based on trust. You can trust Dr. Rubenstein. He has the experience, knowledge, and artistic touch you're looking for. Call 305-792-7575. That's 305-792-7575. Call today for a free consultation. Dr. Adam Rubenstein, Turnberry Plastic Surgery at Biscayne Boulevard in the William Lehman Causeway, where medicine meets artistry.
3: My doctor is Adam Rubenstein.
0: are listening to New Reflections with Dr. Adam Rubenstein. If you have a question or comment for the host or this week's guests, please call 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You can also send an email to info at dr-rubenstein.com. That's info at dr-rubenstein.com. Now, back to New Reflections.
1: Welcome back to the show. I'm Dr. Adam Rubenstein, and we've been speaking with Dr. Michael Venemeyer, who's a board-certified plastic surgeon, and we're talking about combination procedures. The show this week is two is better than one, and we're talking about doing two procedures or more at the same time. And I want to get into a topic that is uh, somewhat controversial, and there aren't that many people uh, Actually, it's it's fairly controversial in terms of uh, that we know that it increases a little bit of risk, but it's not that controversial because lots and lots of people are doing it. And I know I'm, in my practice, doing it more and more. And that's a combination of gynecologic procedures and things like tummy tucks. Now, this is a, a pretty uh, likely combination for lots of people. You know, if you have to go and have uh, a hysterectomy or have an ovary checked out or removed, or, or even having something like a tubal ligation that's at a planned time, well, it's not a bad thing to combine it with an aesthetic procedure. And the one that makes the most sense is a tummy tuck. Because, again, like the hernia repairs, we're operating at the same time. Now, uh, Dr. Benemar, you and I were talking during the break, and I know this is not something that you routinely do, but in your career, whether it's training or otherwise, Have you done these type of combinations before?
2: Absolutely. And, uh, I agree with you, Dr. Rubenstein. These procedures can be done safely. Uh, It just comes down to identifying any patient risk factors and, uh, you know, avoiding combination procedures in patients that are higher risk or taking appropriate steps to reduce risks.
1: Well, there was a, a poster that was presented and, uh, this was at the American College of Gynecology and Obstetrics uh, and Gynecology, and at one of the local gynecologists here in town, a board-certified gynecologist, Dr. Emery Salem, who uh, presented this paper this uh, poster presentation called "Abdominoplasty: at The Time of His Assessment of Perioperative Morbidity." Uh, Dr. Salem looked at the combination and looked at his experience with uh 65 patients and these patients were operated on between 1995 and 2011 and in looking at um, the uh overall complication rate well it sounds like it was actually very high uh the overall complication rate was 32% but uh, that depended that was really taking everything into account including fever And, uh, a little bit of atelectasis, which is, uh, failure of the lungs to fully inflate. It's very common anytime you have any general anesthesia that you'll have a little bit of atelectasis or a little collapse of the base of the lung. Uh, and, and those things are, uh, not the type of things that are major complications, but he included in his statistics, which I think is, is, you know, a good thing to do to be very conservative. But overall, the risk of any major complications was was quite small, and so I think, comparable to what uh, one might expect from this. And the overall time in the operating room was a little over three, about three and a half hours or so. And I think that's reasonable with, with these combinations of procedures, doing a tummy tuck at the same time as a hysterectomy. Uh, and we had hoped to have Dr. Solomon on the show today, but... Uh, I don't know if we may yet hear from him, I haven't heard from him at this point, but this is the paper that he presented and it met with a lot of controversy when the paper was presented because it it posed the idea that it was a, a safe combination and I believe it is a safe combination, but because he reported a overall complication rate of 32%, well that's very high, that means one in three patients has some kind of problem. What what the what the uh, people that were complaining did not know, or they perhaps didn't really read into, was that urine infections or little amounts of fever were all counted as complications, and that that accounted for about half of those reported complications. So, combining hysterectomy and tummy tucks, I think, is a reasonable combination. And of course, it really depends upon the surgeon. Uh, the surgeons that are doing the procedures now when you're talking about tummy tuck or liposuction Dr. Venemeyer you lose a lot of blood during those operations
2: very little very little in fact that it, it's incredibly rare to ever have to give a patient a blood transfusion after a cosmetic procedure like liposuction or tummy tuck
1: yeah I can tell you in my career I can recall one patient that we had to give a blood transfusion to, and it was probably because they received too much fluid during surgery, where it, it, by getting so much IV fluid, you know, the saline that, that we keep flowing into the vein during surgery, that, if you give too much, can dilute things down in your bloodstream to where you, you don't have enough concentrated blood in there. You can actually dilute your blood and I think that's part of what happened along with absorption and just the typical things that we see in liposuction but having said that, I've done I don't know how many hundreds if not thousands of liposuction procedures over the years and that is the one case that I can recall where we had to have a patient get a blood transfusion. So I agree, it's very unusual to need to transfuse a patient and i think these are procedures where the blood loss is really remarkably low a tummy tuck you know i think you you really lose hardly any blood during a tummy tuck at all if it's done carefully with good technique now again that's where we get into the different people operating because if you're if you're doing a procedure where the blood loss is going to be more significant uh or you know if you're if, if you know your technique is such that you expect to have uh more blood loss than average well that that would tell you you probably shouldn't be putting procedures together either and you know the same is true for gynecologists there are i've worked with gynecologists that are very meticulous and you really lose very little blood and then there are some gynecologists that work a little faster and and will have more blood loss than than others uh and then each case is a little different now let me ask you Let's say you're scheduled to do a tummy tuck, and you've done the exposure, and you make your incision, lift everything up, and the gynecologist is, is doing their thing, and you notice that there's a little bit more blood loss than, than you're expecting. How are you going to handle that?
2: It actually depends on the uh, ability of the patient and um, how the patient is, and it's just using your clinical judgment to assess how much risk is this uh, going to increase uh, for the patient in the operation. And if I feel that it's going to uh, increase the patient's risk, then um, I would ab- abort doing my portion of the procedure just to ensure patient safety.
1: Absolutely. That's exactly what I'm getting at. I think when you're with a doctor that has good judgment, that is properly trained, again, getting back to board-certified plastic surgeons, we go through a tremendous process of checks and balances when we're getting certified. And the whole key to making sure that when a plastic surgeon is certified that they're properly trained and safe is just that, looking at patient safety. And that's why judgment is so important for a board certified plastic surgeon. There is nothing wrong with saying that, you know what, things were going well, but you, you started losing a little bit more blood than expected. And Yeah, I was concerned about having you under anesthesia for a little longer. We didn't want to get you to a point where you needed a blood transfusion, so you know we had to stop the operation. There is no shame in canceling a procedure that you were planning for a patient's safe, uh, patient safety reasons. There's no question of that, and that right there is the difference between someone who cares about their patient as opposed to caring about the paycheck. And and again. You're going to see that far more, in my opinion, from board-certified plastic surgeons than you will from someone who took a weekend course or is dabbling in aesthetic surgery. You really want to make sure you're seeing someone who is board-certified in the right specialty doing the right things for you because they're going to have your best uh, your, your best outcome and, and your safety in mind as the number one priority. Now, speaking of safety, there are some things that you can do when having any procedure, but particularly combination procedures, to ensure that you're in the safest position. And uh, so let's talk about just basic safety methods. Uh, I can think of, there, there's two things, one that I do routinely and one that, that we do when possible. And, and, and Dr. Benemar, why don't you tell us about your guidelines in terms of the safety protocols that you put in every case?
2: Absolutely a fantastic question. One of the most basic things I do with every patient I take to the operating room is uh, apply sequential compression devices or SCDs to the legs to reduce your risk of uh, deep venous thrombosis, also known as DVT. And that's a very basic and easy thing for us to do that can significantly reduce the patient's risk.
1: Absolutely. And and the risk of DVT or deep vein thrombosis is not insignificant when we're talking about longer procedures. So if you're having a longer operation done, even if it's being done in an office operating room, these are not things that are limited to the hospital. When I operate in office operating rooms, I always use SCDs or those little leg squeezers that uh, we sometimes call them. The SCDs massage your legs, they pump it rhythmically and, and it allows the blood to keep moving through so they don't sit stagnant and you're not getting uh, you're not getting you know these the potential for formation of clots so SEDs are a must in every operation and by the way if you're having a procedure done make sure that these things are on you while you're waiting to have the procedure done because research has shown that it needs to be turned on before you're even in the operating room that's how you get the best chances to decrease your risks that's number one what are some of the other things you can do
2: Another important thing that I like to keep an eye on is the patient's temperature. As uh, you know, Dr. Rubenstein, in the operating room, it can get pretty chilly sometimes. And uh, just ensuring that the patient warm is critical because there's a lot of data that supports that uh, patients have a higher complication rate if their temperature drops too much during surgery. So keeping patients covered with things like warm blankets and uh, warm air um, uh, circulation with a device like a bear hugger uh, is very important to uh, reduce risk as well.
1: Yeah, bear huggers are great. I actually like to have them turned on in my operating room on the table before the patient even gets into the room. And that ensures that the, uh, the patient is gonna hit a warm bed and, and not have a, a, too much of a temperature drop. And then we use those throughout the operation. How about blood thinners?
2: Yeah, you know, blood thinners are, uh, um Great for patients who are undergoing uh, longer procedures or who have multiple risk factors um, that would make them more prone to have clots. Um, They may be uh, obese patients or a history of a blood clotting problem that runs in the family, perhaps.
1: Well, absolutely, and in those circumstances, you absolutely should be using some blood thinners. And we always worry as plastic surgeons about bleeding, and particularly if you're doing a facelift, for example, you really don't want to have any blood thinners around because you're worried about having bleeding after we're done with surgery, that'll lead to something called a hematoma. Same is true for certain breast procedures. As plastic surgeons, we're really worried about patient bleeding, and rightly so. But I read an article recently that argued, you know, no one's ever died from post-operative bleeding in plastic surgery, or extremely rarely do people ever have a, have a death from bleeding. However, the DVTs or deep vein thrombosis can sometimes break off and send a little piece of clot into the lungs, and that's called a pulmonary embolism. And that actually is something that can kill you. So when you're talking about significant risk patients, people who are still pretty heavy in weight. Or uh, they 're going to be on the table for more than six hours, um, there are lots of different risk factors, but as you start adding up the risk factors, really ought to think about using a low dose blood thinner it 's a simple injection that you get right around the time of surgery that decreases the risk of your blood clotting, and that can greatly decrease deep vein thrombosis. In fact, those are the only two things that have ever been shown to have a positive increase a positive decrease rather in uh, risk for DVT and that's the SCDs or the leg squeezers and a little bit of blood thinning medicine and uh, it's just a quick injection before the operation. Those are probably the main safety concerns. So to summarize what we've been talking about, combination procedures, well sometimes two is better than one. You can save some money, you can go through the operation safely and decrease the amount of time that you need to be in the operating room Uh depending upon the types of combinations that you're doing, you can sometimes greatly decrease the operative time, decrease anesthesia time. Sometimes the insurance is going to help you cover the expenses of the procedure if there is some overlap, and it all can be done safely. And when we're talking about doing combination procedures or any other procedure, safety is the number one concern. So. Talk to your plastic surgeon, hopefully a board-certified plastic surgeon, about the things that you're thinking about having done. See a few of us. Get a few different bits of advice, and you're going to make the right choices for yourself in the end and get everywhere you want to be, get every result you'd like to have, and do it in the safest manner possible. Well, uh, we're coming to the end of the show. I want to thank Dr. Michael Venemeyer, who's coming on the show. And Dr. Venemeyer, if someone's in the Cincinnati area, and is thinking about having a mommy makeover or some other combination procedure tell us how they get a hold of you
2: well they can find us via our website which is www.infoplasticsurgery.com or they can reach us uh, by our phone which is 859-426-5000
1: fantastic well i definitely would encourage you if you're in the cincinnati area to look up dr Benemeyer. he is a a well-skilled board certified plastic surgeon and will take great care of you and clearly has his patient's safety the priority in his mind i want to thank everyone for listening i'm dr adam rubenstein again you can find me in facebook at miami plastic surgeon you can also follow me on twitter at dr rubenstein we're happy to have you here on New Reflections, shows coming up in the near future. We'll be talking about plastic surgery websites. How do you get the best information and which ones are maybe not the best ones to pay attention to? We'll talk about that. we we'll also have shows coming up about neck lifts, stem cell therapy, the latest and greatest, even genetically designed skincare products, and more. All this coming up in future shows. Join us every week, Saturday, 12 to 1 Eastern, 9 to 10 Pacific on New Reflections. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.
0: We hope you stayed informed and entertained today on New Reflections. Please join your host, Dr. Adam Rubenstein, again next Saturday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 noon Eastern Time. You can also email the doctor at info at dr-rubenstein.com or visit his website at www. Dot dr-rubenstein.com and don't forget to join us next saturday for new reflections on the health and wellness channel Have a beauty and